Hi, and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast, a podcast created to help you get out of your head and into your life. That is, if you want to have more fun, freedom, happiness, peace of mind, and success whilst squeezing the juice out of every area of your life. Join Jackie Ford every Thursday and listen in to her warm Scottish tones, wise heart and wonderful sense of humour as she interviews guests and discusses what it means to be unashamedly human. Hi everyone and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast. This week again I've got something a little bit different for you. I'm often asked to be a guest or teacher um, on Three Principles groups and book clubs all over the world to share my deep feeling, the appreciation and experiences and client transformation I've seen with this understanding of the principles and to help others see just how impactful the principles can be to people to help them live nicer lives. In this episode, I was invited by the lovely Rowan Theron, who organises and hosts the Three Principles Book Club in Australia, to discuss the principles, my journey, why I host Missing Link Book Clubs globally, and why I always refer to Sid Banks and my work. I hope you enjoy, and if you live in Australia, please do look up the Three Principles Australia Book Club on Facebook and um, connect with Rowan and that gorgeous group of people that I spoke to the other night. Yeah, definitely. Jackie, maybe let's get into it. Sure. Um, can you maybe, if you don't mind, give us an overview of your journey leading into the free principles and then sort of into the missing link in the book club? And if you won't mind spending some time on that. No, no, I just don't anybody fall asleep. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can see you. Yes, <laughs> I can see you. I'll go poke uh, him. <laughs> <laughs> well, good evening, everybody. My name's Jackie Ford. I I live and work in Scotland. My physical practice is in Scotland, but I work globally with people all around the world. I'm a teacher, a trainer, a mentor, and a coach. I don't hold any niches that I work in. I work with people from the age of five up to 95. I love to help people who are suffering come into their well-being. My journey has been, I, I was brought up in this, this understanding in a way that this is the way my family lived. But we didn't know it. You know, my, my dad was pretty laid back. My mum was a bit strange, but you know, she, she was lovely. You know, but my dad kind of lived from this beautiful, beautiful space. And I became a nurse and a midwife and I worked in that field for years and absolutely loved it, loved being of service to people, loved being at people's bedsides as they took their last breath and helping new life into this world. It was just such a gift, such an honour to do these things. And while I was working in that sort of area, it was obvious that I was still living in my well-being. I, I was thriving. I was loving it. And then I got this kind of tug to do something different. And I decided that I wanted to go and work in the pharmaceutical industry. So I was a, a, a legal drug dealer, basically, you know, <laughs> legalized drug dealer selling all sorts of drugs to hospitals and to general practitioners all over Scotland. And it was fascinating for me. I grew up in the middle of two brothers and I've always been a wee bit competitive. You would be if you grow up in between two brothers. So this kind of sales environment seemed really, really like, I can do this because I'm competitive. It's not a problem. And I got into the sales environment and I started to think there was something wrong with me. There just seemed to be an awful lot of strong personalities and a lot of ego. And it was a very sort of male driven environment. It was kind of like working in the Wolf from Wall Street, if you've ever seen that movie. It, you know, like I could go into a room and, and it felt like, I was walking into a room with a pack of Rottweilers that hadn't been fed for a week. The men were that vicious. It, it, was, it was really incredible. And that started off my, my self-help journey because I thought it was me. I thought I was broken because I didn't understand why I was starting to feel insecure, why I was starting to feel as though I was broken, why this confident, loving, kind person was becoming 
defensive, was becoming a bit of a bitch, was becoming scared. It just didn't make sense. And at the same time, my grandmother, who was kind of like my mum, passed away. I got married. I moved house. You know, I started having children. You know, my father died a couple of months later. It was like all of these life events rocked my understanding, rocked what I thought about life. And so I started this self-help journey and, and I was a junkie. Oh my God, was I a junkie. I think I have enough self-help books and I haven't thrown them out actually, I've still got them because I love them. I have enough self-help books, I think, to build a one-story apartment. I really do. Everything from being more confident to helping to sleep and um, Paul McKenna, famous hypnotist, you know, he's going to make me skinny. <laughs> I'm still waiting. Hasn't it happened yet? But he's going to make me skinny. And, you know, it, it was kind of funny that, that here was this woman who was constantly looking outside of herself, yet it was the most normal. It felt normal because that's what you did. That's what people did. And in the 80s, I came across a book by a guy called Richard Carlson, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Oh my God, that, that book helped me so much. And it was only about five or six years ago, I was speaking to Sid's wife, Judy Banks, and, and I said to Judy, I loved that book. And she said, Jackie, do you know that Richard Carlson's father and Richard studied with Sid? They just didn't mention him in the books. So even way back in the 80s, I heard that grain of truth but I didn't hear all of it. You know, like I got a glimpse. So I still thought, okay, I've got this wee bit and I'm not sweating the small stuff. And then I went, even though I was working in the corporate field, I st <laughs> my thirst for self-development and self-help books meant that um, I was spending a fair bit of money. <laughs> so <laughs> I became an NLP coach while I was still working in the corporate sector. So I studied NLP, hypnotherapy, shamanic healing. Oh my God, you name it. I think I've got a qualification in it. So that I could make money on the side to pay for more self-development to try to fix myself. Um, and then one day, I heard that Paul McKenna, the guy that was going to make me skinny, was doing a very small intimate meeting in London with, um, Michael Neal and I didn't know who Michael Neal was I, I hadn't a clue he was kind of like sideshow Bob it was Paul and Paul who was going to make me thin that's what I wanted to go to and I paid 16,000 pounds for two days two days in this small group setting five people at Paul McKenna's house in London and on the first day, Michael Neal was speaking. And all of a sudden, I just started to cry. And I didn't know why I was crying. Hadn't a clue. And I spoke to one of the, the mentors, Fiona Jacob, and I said, Fiona, I don't know what's going on. I said, but I'm quite upset. And all she said to me was, yeah, Jackie, that's how it sometimes happens. I thought, I've paid £16,000. This is bullshit. You know? somebody tell me tell me what's happening and the rest of the day went on and, and it was fine and that night I went back to the place I was staying in London fell asleep woke up in the morning with this kind of picture in my head and it was very strange it was like a picture of my brain and then there was a white flag on one side of my brain and there was a white flag on the other side of my brain and there was kind of like this neon light that said surrender. Now, as a control freak, that was a word I didn't really know, I didn't really understand. So when I went back into the workshop, I said to, to, to Michael Neal, I said, you know, this might sound a bit strange, but this is, this is what I've seen. What does that mean? And all he said was, Jackie, I love when things show up as literally as that. <laughs> it just it drove me crazy. I had no clue what was happening. So for me, I felt that weekend, would I ever pay £16,000 for a weekend again? No, I bloody wouldn't. I just wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't. Paul McKenna didn't make me skinny. It wasn't worth the money. 
so I came away from that workshop quite upset that I'd seen something. I didn't know what I'd seen and I was frustrated. So I wanted to know more. And Michael Neal spoke about this guy, Sid Banks. So the first thing I did was I went online and I Googled Sid Banks and I found a video. And I sat and I watched this very, very short video. And I just had tears streaming down my face again, because to me, it sounded, he sounded like my father. He sounded like my dad's brothers. Just sitting around the table at Christmas time talking, it felt like home. And when you feel that level of home and truth, there's such a deep knowing that it's the right direction to look in. So I started to formally study and I studied with the One Thought Institute in London when they did their one year course. And the first weekend I just fell down the rabbit hole. It was like I'd lost every ounce of common sense I'd ever had in my life. I, I, I lost the ability to articulate what I was seeing and what I was understanding. And it, honestly, it took me about two years to be able to, to speak about this in a way that makes sense to me. Because I didn't try to find the words. I allowed the words to find me. And I think a lot of the time when we come across this understanding, we're desperate to be able to share it. And in our desperation to share it, we share it from our intellect and not from our heart. After I did the One Thought course, I had this beautiful encounter with Elsie Spittle. I was speaking at the, the conference in London and Elsie said to me, Jackie, remember to make space for your own insights. And that really hit me hard. If you consider I'd just spent 30 years looking outside of myself, trying to fix myself, trying to sort myself, doing all sorts of courses, training other people, spending stupid amounts of money to try to fix something that wasn't broken, believing that everybody else had the answer. And if I just did that, I would find out. And if I just read this, I would find out. And in that short sentence from Elsie, I went from searching to knowing. And the search kind of stopped. I knew that the best way for me, in my experience, to learn more about this understanding was to live, to live in this space. I could do as many courses as, you know, you would want to do, but that didn't make sense to me at that time. And now I only do things if it feels right. And from that space of essence, I find myself in action of, you know, I've booked a ticket to go to America or I've booked a ticket to go to London. I'm like, shit, what have I done? But I've done it from this beautiful, loving space instead of this space of thinking that I'm missing out on something. This understanding is so simple, so simple. And people make it so complicated. And when you simply understand the principles in action and you go and you live your life from that space, honestly, you will see more and more and more. And it's beautiful. So do I still buy self-help books? Yeah. <laughs> They're fun. <laughs> I buy them because now I look at them and I think, <clears throat> how can I translate that into a principles language? How can I help people understand that as an antidote to self-help rather than the self-help way? So yeah, there you go. That's me. <laughs> what a fascinating story. That's awesome. Um, can you maybe... Tell us more how that led into a book club around the missing link. And I'm quite intrigued and probably will ask later some of the insights you've had working with groups of people around the book per se. Mm -hmm. uh, but book aside, maybe just that sort of leading into you 
getting the missing link, starting the book club. And, and maybe if you can talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Sure. In my experience, <clears throat> the missing link is the go-to. It's the go-to space if you want to find out about the principles. It's a very beautiful book where Sid takes us on this beautiful, simple, yet gentle journey. He's constantly repeating the same message and just saying it in different ways to help people understand what he's pointing to without saying it directly. I got an awful lot of benefit out of reading The Missing Link. And I would find that I would be reading it with my students, with my clients, and I'd be reading it myself if there was something I wanted just to, you know, sort of to, to, to reflect on. And while I was reading it to my students or my coaching clients, I saw the benefit that they got from the quiet space that you can go into when you read a chapter on its own. And it was actually one of my, my students that said to me, you should start inviting people to be part of this. And so the first one I set up, I just thought, you know what, I'll just put it out there and see what happens. And there was about 15 people came on from all over the world. And it was just fascinating watching how people get very stuck on the form. Now you've got to remember this book was written about 20, 30 years ago, I'm not exactly sure when, I think it was the 80s or something it was in. Now, that was Sid, it's Sid's level of grounding, Sid's level of understanding at that point. And that was Sid using the words that made sense to him. And by continually saying to people, This understanding is not in the form. It's not in the words that people use. The words are an intellectual pointer. They're a portal that you can go through to understand more. But it's not about the words. It's about that beautiful knowing, like I spoke to you earlier about feeling that grain of truth. You know, again, when I first came across the principles, I went from buying loads of self-help books to want to buy loads of 3P books. But when I came across the principles, I think there were about five books. You know, there was no videos, five books, no online courses. There was nothing. So I went into detox a wee bit. Um, but you become like a vampire. You, you want to know more. You, you know, here, this is true. I want to know more. You have this thirst for knowledge. And this is what I found a lot of people were reading The Missing Link and and they were reading it as though it was a self-help book. Looking for the the self-help pointers within the book. And it was like, no, that's, that's not what he's doing here. He's pointing us away from the form into, into essence. And this is why personally I get a bit, when I read a lot of, 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 of work that's going on at the moment, with people that are talking about sort of non-duality, there's an awful lot of heaviness there for me. There's a lot of words, there's a lot of intellect. Sid was a non-dual teacher in the simplest way possible. And you can find that in the chapter called The Duality of Life. You know, where Sid's pointing to, we live live in a world where, you know, there's two sides to every coin. There's our, our... spiritual nature and there's a psychological nature now we're not saying they're two separate things it's the one thing as a human being human being the form and being being the essence so when we live in alignment with our spiritual nature and our psychological nature life's fun it's more light-hearted there's less to get upset about you still do but there's that ability to bring yourself back into the now, back into the moment, to see what's happened. Because that's how we learn as human beings. You know, we, we, we do stupid stuff and we learn. And then if we don't learn from the stupid stuff we've done, the same lesson comes back. <laughs> you, know? you go through it and through it until you see something new. 
And that's kind of what Sid's pointing to. It's about being less attached to the form and the intellectual way that we consider life and to trust our intuition and the feeling because that'll guide us. That's our internal GPS. That's our navigator. And that feeling, I've read a lot about it. What, how would you describe that or classify that? Okay, let me turn that on you, my love. Because how I classify it might not be how you classify it. Okay? No, that's, yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> no, no. And that's, that's what I'm interested in. Touché. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I know. I'm being cheeky. I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm, up, I'm up too early and I'm being cheeky. Good. Have you ever watched a sunset and been in complete awe? Absolutely. Have you ever looked into the eyes of a child and just seen pure consciousness? Mm. Yeah. Have you ever held someone and all thought melts away? Mm. Yeah. There you go. Gotcha. Yeah. So, okay, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to allow Elisa, Justine, and Heather, Leo, and everyone else to get in. Mm -hmm. um, and if it goes quiet, I'll jump in with some more questions. Okay, my love. <laughs> I'll open the table. I just like to say I don't bite if anybody wants to ask. I love getting asked questions, honestly. I, I, I'll just tell you a bit more about myself. I, I am a mum and as I said, I have three daughters. And here's a funny story for you about the self-help thing. Um, on a Saturday morning, we used to take our three daughters, you know, like we'd go to the bookstore and we'd look at the books and we'd maybe have a wee drink or a coffee or something. And the girls would be in their little section, you know, they were, I think they were about seven, five and two and a half. And they'd be in the little kiddie section. And my husband, Jerry, who I call Mr. Lovely, because he's just so lovely. He's put up with me all these years. So he's he deserves that, a medal. Um, he's always in the science fiction section. He loves science fiction. And there was one weekend where Jerry asked the girls where their mum was. Now, bear in mind, my girls are where? Seven five and two and a half and they turned around to their father and they said mum's in the self-help section they knew they knew where I was and they still they're now 20 26 24 and 22 and they still slag me off about that in fact a couple of weeks ago I was in a bookstore with one of my daughters and I was looking at cookery books and she said, you're in the wrong section, Mum. <laughs> I thought, isn't that cute? Isn't that really funny? But my, I tried to teach my girls this understanding. I, I tried to, to teach them. Oh, God, don't ever do that. Don't no. ever try to teach your kids. Yeah. Tried it myself. Yeah, major fail, isn't it? It's like C minus. They have picked up on it just through me living in this space and sharing my experiences of my, my crazy thinking with them, you know, just sharing my experiences. I mean, there was one story I, I told them, we used to have two little dogs and every morning I'd walk the dogs. There were two little shih tzus, <clears throat> and one of the dogs just took forever to have a poo. It just took forever. So I'd be out there with... Just woken up, you know, looking like cousin it out of one of these movies. Here, here everywhere, desperate not to bump into any neighbours, desperate for a cup of tea, walking for an hour to get this dog to do its business. And on the way home, once the dog had done what it was meant to do, and both of them had, there was a red post box at the corner of our street. And every morning without fail for about eight years, I had the thought, as I walked along the road with two separate bags of dog poo to post the dog poo through the letter, through the, through the post box. 
every morning, every single morning. Now you can either think you're crazy or you can see that for what it is. It's thought in the moment. It's just one of these crazy thoughts in the moment that you get. Like the one that you get when you're standing, maybe this is just me as well, when you're doing an international flight <laughs> and you get up to go to the toilet and the toilet's always beside the big door with the big red handle that says don't open, you know, and you're kind of like, hmm, wonder what would happen, but you know what would happen. So you don't do it. You have these moments of... of, of consciousness that just make you go ah okay I see you I see you I see what's going on here and you see and that's the difference between me and you and somebody who ends up in prison we can see that I thought we have you know to to hurt or to do something we shouldn't do is thought in the moment it's an impersonal transient neutral energy passing through it's a principle thought is a principle it's just doing its thing but someone else will think and that's when we think that's when it becomes personal it's come into form and they think that that information that's going through their head is is a fact and not information and something they have to act on And usually that happens in a lord state of consciousness, a lord state of mind. So hence, when I was out walking the dogs, I was in a really low state of mind. I'd just woken up. I was like a meerkat walking along the streets, <laughs> so, trying to waken up, trying to become more, more, more conscious. And, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful I didn't post the dog poo because it's an offence. <laughs> Imagine getting sent to jail for, for posting dog poo. I mean, hello. <laughs> Jackie, from your missing link or reading and going through it over and over again, what would you say are some of the, and I think you touched on it, but if you can maybe summarize some of the key takeaways or some of the key lessons or insights or realizations you've had? Mm. There's quite a few. One that I just mentioned was thought. And to really see thought as the neutral, transient, impermanent energy that it is. I remember sitting one day, you know, and people talk all the time about, you know, thought is like a cloud. You know, it, it, it goes by in the sky and... I think often we can hear these, these descriptions, these metaphors, but we don't really see them. We don't feel them. Yes, oh, yeah, 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 the clouds go by in the sky. That's just what happens. And I remember sitting one day, and in Scotland, we can have like four seasons in half an hour. You know, it can be raining, it can be snowing, it can be whatever. And it was a particularly windy day, and I was just sitting, I live near the sea, and I was just sitting watching the clouds over the sea. And I felt it. I felt that truth about thought. I'd heard the metaphor. Oh, yeah, thought is like a cloud. It passes in the sky. But I felt the truth of it. A cloud, <laughs> a cloud doesn't have an opinion. Why, <laughs> why would a cloud have an opinion? It's, it's, it's energy that's moving and it's transient. It really is like thought. It's, it's an, an incredible way to describe thought. Now, if human beings can have 60 to 75,000 thoughts a day, we don't put attention on all of them. We can't, we'd be exhausted. However, if you start to really become conscious of your thought processes, you'll find that about 95% of your thoughts are on repeat. Same thoughts, day in, day out, day in, day out. It's like Groundhog Day. Until you actually see through what it is that's happening. The chapter in thought really helped me see that. 
really helped me see <laughs> how stupid thought is. Yeah, I think it's serious. Now, stupid is a, is a silly word. It, it's just, it, it, it's silly. It's silly to become upset about a thought in motion. It doesn't make sense until I'm caught up in it. And then it makes sense. And then it's fearful. And then it's not nice and I don't like it. You know? I had a recent experience. Um, there's a little post office down the road from us. And there was a wee old lady in the post office. She was in her, her 70s or her 80s. And she was chatting away. And she was just having this lovely conversation with everyone. You know, it was obvious that maybe she doesn't get a lot of company. And it was lovely to watch her just feeling at home and chatting away to everyone. And it took, it took quite a while for me to get through to do what I wanted to do. And I just thought, isn't that beautiful? This loving environment and everybody speaking to her. And about three weeks later, I was back down doing something else. And that same lady was in the post office and she was chatting away to everybody and really, you know, doing exactly the same thing. And the fresh thought that came to my mind was, hurry up, bitch, I'm in a hurry. Same situation, same woman, same post office, same me, different state of mind. Thought in the moment. I started to laugh. Another um, thing that I love in The Missing Link is when Sid talks about our feelings are a barometer of our thinking. I think that's a wonderful description. Everybody knows what it feels like when you're angry or you're upset or you're sad or you're depressed. Everybody knows what that feels like. And everybody knows what it feels like to be happy or content or delighted about something. Human beings don't have a tendency to analyse their thoughts about being happy or content or delighted. But we have a habit of analysing thought when we're sad or we're feeling a bit low. We dig in to try and figure out why we're feeling that way. Sid points us to something that's just absolutely phenomenal in The Missing Link. And that is, when we look to the content of what we're thinking, we suffer. But when we look to the true nature of thought, we alleviate that suffering. So let me give you an example. Yesterday, and um, we're getting some work done in the house. Oh no, here's a better one actually. <laughs> um, my husband and I were due to go, we're, we're meant to be going on holiday tomorrow to Tenerife. Okay. And we've been really, really looking forward to it. And, you know, I booked the car park, we've got the flight, we've got the hotel. Um, I'm meant to be picking up the Euros today. And we discovered yesterday that the hotel we're going to stay in, there have been um, confirmed cases of coronavirus. <laughs> so the hotel's in lockdown for two weeks. So yesterday I just said to my husband, I said, Jerry, you know, this hotel that we're going to go to, uh, they've got confirmed cases of coronavirus, you know, it's just not going to happen, hon. Um, and he said, that's fine. And we both just looked at each other and said, yep. That's okay, not a problem. Cancelled the car park, was flying with a cheap airline. No way we're going to get the money back for that. Or even if you try to change your flight, they charge you more than you paid for your flight in the first place. Um, contact the hotel. They've changed our dates to later on, not a problem. And the euros, I'll just pick them up and convert them back to pounds. Not an issue. Can you see how there's no thinking about that? No thinking about that whatsoever. None. Imagine yesterday I'd been like, oh, I really want that holiday. That's the holiday we've paid all this money. We'll never get our money back. This will be terrible. And then I started to feel awful. And then I started to dig in why I was feeling awful. And then I would remind myself. It would be like I was playing a loop of the content of my thinking, keeping myself in a shitty feeling. 
Now, when I was younger and I fell out with a boyfriend and I listened to sad music over, same song, over and over and over again, and I replayed, he said this and I said that and she said that and I said that. Okay, you know, I did that then. I wouldn't do that now because I know how I work. If I dig into the content of what I'm thinking, I suffer. I don't like suffering. I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, you know. Sid points us to always looking upstream. Don't look at the content of what you're thinking. Look at the true nature of thought. The true nature of thought is it's transient. It's impersonal. It's neutral. It has nothing to do with you. Don't invite it into your head for dinner. Fascinating stuff. That's awesome. Any questions around the blocks? Anything maybe not specific to the missing link? Any questions on Jackie's work, free principles, coaching? Oh, Eva. Yeah. Hi, <laughs> Sorry, I'm being a bit quiet tonight. I had a small operation on my, I had a tooth removed yesterday, so I'm a little bit out of it tonight, but I'm just listening. Bless. Getting a nice feeling listening to you. Um, I just wanted to say uh, what you said earlier about searching for the words and and trying to you know and but wait but then waiting for them coming coming to you. I just I think I've been around the pencils for about two years now, a bit over two years, and and I really resonated with that. And I met up with a group of girlfriends last Friday, and we were having lunch, and a few left, so there was just a small group left, and we were just chatting. And I just said a few things about thought and how you know I've learnt that we don't have to believe thoughts, and you know just waffled on a little bit. And afterwards, one of the ladies came up to me and said, "Oh, thank you for what you said before. It was so, it was just so beautiful." And I thought, "Oh, okay, <laughs> fair enough. I hadn't really thought I was saying anything in particular, but it just, yeah." And so, you know, I maybe thought the the words had just come to me um, as they were meant to. Yeah, that's it exactly, Heather. You were in a space. You were with friends. You were comfortable. It was a conversation. Yeah, yeah, and. This is a conversation. It's not a teaching. It's a conversation. Yeah. So what you did was beautiful. When you have conversations with your friends, you don't think, oh, how am I going to say this to them? How am I going mm. to say that to them? You're just in flow. You're, you're, you're having this constant download from mind. You're in the now. You're in the moment. You, just, you don't have to think. It just flows through you. Mm. And I think a lot of people, when, again, when they come across this understanding, they try to teach it intellectually. Mm. No, that's definitely we, what I try to do, I yeah, think. But, but we all do that, Heather. Yeah. You know, there's, there's not one of us that hasn't done that. Yeah. You know, because if you consider that most of our lives, we've been conditioned to do more left brain thinking than right brain thinking. So it's always been about the intellect. Yes. Not our spirit. It's all been about intellect and gathering intellectual badges that, that are certificates and, you know, sort of abilities to do things. And all of a sudden, somebody's saying to you, the intellect's important, but there's this whole other side of you that's there waiting to be awakened. It's always been there. And it's oh. always been whispering to you. Intuitively, you've always known things. You've always been in awe and love. You've enjoyed life. You've known when to do something and when not to do something. Gut instinct, whatever you want to call it, it's always been there. Mm. And then you've second-guessed yourself with your intellect because <laughs> you think the intellect's far more important. And all of a sudden, people are saying to you, yeah, listen to that whispery side more often. And the ego or the intellect comes in and goes, no, don't do that. People will think you're stupid. They'll think you're a woo-woo person. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yes. that's kind of why I speak about this understanding in a very ordinary, grounded, simple, earthy human way. Because to me, spirituality is ordinary because ooh, it's the energy of who we are. Mm. It's not this thing out there. Yet people think spirituality, because of all the left brain conditioning about religion, makes you think it's something outside of yourself. 
instead of it being the essence of who you are. So I love that you did that. And I, do you know what? Do you know what? It's like do it more often. Yeah. Feel stupid and do it anyway. You know because. Well, yeah. I don't. I, I feel like I don't have a choice much these days. It's just what I'm learning about and what comes out of my mouth half the time. So. Beautiful. Beautiful. The more that all of us share, the more people are going to hear something. Yeah. And you know, there's there's no right words. Mm. There's just that loving feeling. Mm. Yeah. And when you're coming from that loving feeling of, I've heard something that's made a difference in my life. Mm. Can I share that with you? Mm. Rather than, have you heard about the principles? Yeah. And then comes the flip chart, you know? Yeah. You know, people just respond, they respond, they respond beautifully. But when we're trying to teach instead of share, Okay, so what you did was you shared and you shared beautifully for someone to respond to you in that way. But when we try to teach, people immediately go into their left brain. They immediately go into their intellect. They immediately contrast and compare the principles to mindfulness, CBT, Jungian therapy, blah, blah, blah. But when you share from love, from your experiences, nobody can argue with that. No. completely bypasses the left brain goes straight by the intellect straight into the heart yeah to me that's what the missing link does yes yes definitely mm. thank you i love that keep doing it do more yeah. of it <laughs> you know it's, it's interesting you know, I did a, a webinar for people in Australia years ago, and it was, it was, I called it word salad, the three principles in word salad, because that's what I felt I was saying all the time. It was just like word salad. It was just rubbish. But the feeling was there. So people heard things, you know, and, and I didn't care because I just thought, you know what, I'm, going, I'm just I'm going to speak my truth. And if people hear something from it, then great. And this is, this is what's really, really beautiful. I am working with an eight-year-old at the moment who has a germ phobia, who doesn't want to go to school, um, who's scared of getting germs. She was sick for the first time about three months ago. And at the same time, her teacher changed and she's got a teacher who's a bit colder and not as nurturing as our last teacher. And her best friend has left school and she's trying to find new friends. So you know, it's just, just a wee pop. It's just a wee phase going through our life. But our mum and dad are so serious. It's unbelievable. You know, this wee kid's an only child and the mum and dad are very proper and serious. So I'm kind of working with them as well. And this little cute little button comes on the call. And I, I have all these little props. In fact, here's some of my wee props that I have. I have these little, these little balls that talk to me. <laughs> When I'm working with kids, you know, and um, we were talking about thought and, you know, the wee balls talk to me and I send the kids the same ball. So Amazon's wonderful, even though they don't pay their taxes. It means I can send things to the little kids. So we sit with our wee balls and we talk and I, and she's given them all names. So they've all got strange names. One's called, oh God, one's, one's called Dizzy and Sky and, you know, winky and one's called vomity for some reason i mean and um i was talking to her with these wee balls the other night there and i said to her winky's asking you in the morning when you know you're having these silly thoughts in your head you know the thoughts are coming that you don't want to go to school would you write them down and so she gets her little winky and she goes my winky says yes <laughs> you know we, we get the, the other wee ball of vomiting i'm like vomity says leave that leave that little note with the thought on it at home so you don't have to take it to school with you and then when you come home have a look at it again and see if it's happened so she picks up her wee vomity and she says yeah vomity says that's okay i'll do that jackie and i spoke to her mum yesterday and I said, how did you go on? And she says, oh, she says, it was great. Emily went to school, no problem, because 
Winky and Vomity said to her to put down the thoughts on the bit of paper so she didn't have to take them to school with her because it didn't matter. She didn't, she wasn't carrying them in her head because thought moves and she left it in the house. <laughs> Just, wicked, absolutely wicked. And I said to her mum, right, collect a big pile of them, then start to look at how many of them are the same with her. You know, like there's gems here, there's gems there. And then put them in piles at the end of the week. And then start at the end of the week saying to her, oh, look, there's 10 of these you've written down that say you'll get sick if you go to school. And there's five here that say you'll, you know, you'll feel sad if you go to school. Is that true? Did that happen? And if she says, no, mum, it didn't happen. I said, throw them in the fire. Throw them away. Throw them away. Let her see the transient nature of her thought. Let her see. Let her make it visible what's going on in her head because we're all the same here. We think we know what we're thinking, but until you make it visible, you don't. So I always encourage people to write down what's going through their heads. The podcast I'm putting out in a couple of weeks is when a young woman I was working with, she was um, 20 when I started working with her, um, confirmed anorexic. She was told that she would die if she didn't put weight on. She had seen traditional therapists, nothing changed. She had seen some other three principles teachers, nothing changed because she wasn't willing to hear anything. Okay, she wasn't willing to hear anything. And I started, I did a three day intensive with her. And by the end of the first day, I could see that something had shifted. You can see it in people's faces. They, they physically relax, their shoulders drop. They, they just, they're, they're, they change from the inside out. And that's, you can see it, you can just see it. And I said to her, what I want you to do between the first day and the second day is I want you to write down all the thoughts that you have. She had an incredible amount of restrictive thoughts of controlling thoughts and to her that was real that was fact that was something she had to follow and I suggested to her well why don't you write them down and just get a clue about what's going on in your head and so she wrote them down and she said she was horrified by the number of thoughts that she was paying attention to horrified and when she started to understand, so by day three, she completely understood the transient nature of thought because we'd looked at other, other things where a thought can come into her head and she doesn't do anything about it. So she started to see that these thoughts were only sticking around because she was putting her conscious awareness on, on them and she thought this was true. So she went to see her doctor a week later and she'd put on six pounds. She went to see her doctor a fortnight later and she'd put on 10 pounds in total. She wasn't scared of getting fat at all. During that three day intensive, we spoke about food, I think for about half an hour. That was it, half an hour. The rest of the time was talking about this understanding, reading passages from the missing link, having a laugh, talking about life. She, she's now one of my mentees. Um, she is just this incredible kid, really soulful. She's 21 now, really soulful, soulful woman who is going to be phenomenal at teaching other people of her age group, like 13 up to about 26, if not older, about health and wellness about this understanding related to nutrition, related to eating disorders. It's phenomenal how quickly people can waken up. And that's coming from a space of love and that it's, it's normal to get caught up in our thinking. And I, I used to make her laugh. I'd say to her, you know, what you do when you're upset is you restrict food. What I do when I'm upset is I reach for a pie. <laughs> you know, some people, you know, they have a glass of wine. Some people, you know, watch porn. You know, we all have this space that we go to when we're looking to self-soothe. I can't say it. Self-soothe. That's difficult. Self-soothe. It's kind of like our own little pacifier. 
That's all you're doing. So the next time you're in a feeling that you don't like, pay attention, see where you go. It's fascinating. I'm probably way off topic, but hey. No, 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 this is good stuff. <laughs> Loving it. Hey, Elisa, I think you had a question. Jackie. Hi. Oh. Hi. Is it Jackie? Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I don't so much have a question. I think I've been quite moved through the whole thing. You're pretty speechless, but I, 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 um, I'm, I think I'm hearing something in a couple of stories there tonight of slowing things down, mm. you know, and you've just confirmed I had the thought today of writing down my thoughts so I could see them. Like, so I thank you for sharing that. So I can see how it can be so helpful just to slow that down make it visual um, and the other thing of slowing down is to go back to the missing link and take it chapter by chapter and let it let each chapter like permeate like have its way with me until it yeah until absolutely. for however long you know because i i noticed even leading up to this i kind of whipped through it again you know okay got it now let's come on so yeah, all intellect. So, yeah, I'm just feel, feeling really encouraged to slow that down and go back and and see how it feels. So, yeah. I love the words you're using, Alyssa. I absolutely adore the words you're using. I love the insight you've had. I haven't said the word slow down at all through anything I've said. That's what you've heard, and that is beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I love... That, and this is what I find, Alyssa, that I can have a thought about something and then when I verbalise it to somebody else, it's almost like it's in a collective consciousness. Mm. You know, that, that we're all feeling the same thing. So I, I love that you see to slow down. I love that you see to, to make things more visible in your life. Mm. And that visibility is actually that will be enhanced by taking the chapters one at a time yeah. and seeing how that unfolds. That's, that's actually the format of my book club, um, that we take 14 weeks and we go through it. And each week people are given an audio of me reading the chapter. They're given um, a video of me explaining the chapter. And they're all short. It's all about two minutes or five minutes. There's a little cartoon of the chapter as well. And then we meet together in a group like this and we talk about the chapter together. And then I give everybody homework mm. to help make the invisible visible. Mm. Mm. And then people talk about it in the Facebook group and they go live and, and it's beautiful. It's a lovely, lovely way to do it because it's so easy to read a book like The Missing Link as if it is an intellectual book and it just isn't. Mm. So I love, I love, love, love what you're saying. Mm. And that's what it does feel like. It felt like the whole time you were talking there, it's like that collective conscious, as you just said, it's like mm -hmm. you're saying words and putting form to where I was, something was coming from inside of me today or over the last little bit that's like you know thank you Listen I mean, to it was lighting up lighting up so much inside of me beautiful listen to it Alyssa and don't second guess it really really feel into it and it honestly that's that it is our internal navigation system, the feeling, and it, and it guides us. It guides us to exactly what we're meant to do, when we're meant to do it. And I'll tell you this, sometimes <laughs> sometimes we don't get what we want, but we get what we need. <laughs> so we learn, and that's a great thing. So, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jackie. Oh, thank you for sharing. <laughs> Sorry, that's the workman banging away upstairs. Can you hear that? <laughs> it's not my heartbeat. <laughs> Justin, you, you unmuted yourself. Jackie, this is really beautiful. And, and thanks to the others who shared as well. Um, can you say a little bit more about 
making invisible visible. Okay. Okay. There's something there that's tickled you. Yeah. I'm just curious about it. What are you seeing? What are you seeing in that? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I'm, what's kind of coming up is, oh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm seeing it as a self-help thing. Like, and <laughs> like, I need to see something more about myself. What, what if you were what if you were to park that to one side? Because that's the content of thought, okay? So let's park that bit to the side. Yeah. And start to look at something else, making the invisible visible. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, How does it feel when you think about making the invisible visible? It feels like it kind of there's a sense that it's something that's obvious, but that we don't see. And I guess that's who we really are. <laughs> yeah. I love that, Justin. For me, making the invisible visible for me was, was, was beautiful, okay? Because a lot of times in this community, people just dismiss thought as it's all thought. It's just thought. So they dismiss, okay? To me, I'm just going to wave to my husband. <laughs> to me, that's... that's that's bypassing. That's spiritual bypassing. Okay. Oh, it's all thought. Well, you know, whatever. Because there can be a lesson in that. There can be a lesson in that story. So if I can see that story objectively through the lens of the nature of thought rather than through the content of thought. I can see where maybe I have a blind spot. Something that I'm not seeing through. And I, honestly, I guarantee the minute you start writing this down, it will be the content of thought that you write. But my invitation for you guys is to, 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 to feel into it, to write it down, see it, see that it is content and look at the nature of thought. And that you're simply hung up in an old story. There's another part of the missing link that I adore. And this will be helpful, Justine and Alyssa, considering what we've said about, about um, making things visible. Sid talks about the mind and the brain. They're completely, two completely different things. Okay, the mind is spiritual and the brain is biological. The brain stores and retrieves information. The brain from the moment you're born is like a sponge and it is unconsciously collecting senses, sounds, stories, colours, all the time, information about people. And it's storing them as memories in your mind, in your brain, sorry, in your brain. So said the mind is, is spiritual, it's, it's a formless energy. What's really interesting is, as a human being, the brain tries to help us all the time, wants to help us all the time. So we walk into a situation or we have, we're, we're about to meet someone we haven't seen in a long time and our last interaction with them perhaps wasn't pleasant. So we're walking into that interaction and we have a feeling that we really we don't want to meet this person, we don't want to do that. You're walking into that situation with a veil of thought from a memory from the past. Okay? Now, often what happens, we walk into that and we can feel the feeling, but we don't know why we're feeling the feeling. Or 
we know we don't we didn't like that person or we don't we feel we don't like that person but essentially what's happening is we didn't like that person and the person that you're going to meet today is probably a completely different person but if you see them through that veil of thought that came from the memory from your brain that thinks it's helping you then you're not going to get a chance to see anything different because everything that happens in that moment will be filtered through that same veil it's the same with all of our experiences. Thought is just incredibly subtle, sneaky, very seductive. So the more that we can make visible, the more that we can see in a lovely, beautiful, playful way instead of being fearful of it. So kind of like I said to you about Mia, Mia had all these thoughts about restriction and about control and I can't eat that extra nut today. You know, it was that bad. It was like, I can't eat that extra nut. And when she saw <laughs> how stupid that was, it's the nut for God's sake. It's a nut. You're not going to put on 50 pounds if you eat a nut. Why can't you eat that nut? Who says? I could talk for hours on this stuff, honestly. <laughs> you know, and, and it's kind of like, there's the difference. That's ego. Okay, that's ego talking. The idea of who you think you are. Ego is always starving for information to be fixed, to be sorted, to be given attention. Essence isn't, essence doesn't bloody care doesn't have an opinion. So anytime you're in a bit of a pickle, you're in your psychological nature. You're not in your true nature. You need both. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love the way you described that just now. Yeah. Thank you. Just have have fun with it. Just there's again, there's no right or wrong way. You're not going to publish this on Amazon. Do you know what I mean? The thoughts in your head, <laughs> just write them down. You know, and do what the wee girl does. Keep a pile of them, bin them, put them in fire. Just have fun with it. That's have fun waking up to your psychological experience. This is why this understanding is so amazing. All all of the modalities of treating mental health or mental illness in the past have been based on the paradigm of we have to fix our thinking. You have to sort it. You have to see your stories in a new light. No. You just have to see through the fact that you think that you're a thinking being, that, that you have thought in the moment. That's all you need to see. You, you are not depressed. You are not sad. You are not anxious. You're having a thought that people have labelled as anxious that will pass. Whereas if you say to yourself, oh, I'm anxious, you've put yourself in a, a state of, of stasis. It's almost like... You know, in Jurassic Park, they put the, the, the little ambers in the, the stuff to keep them steady that they couldn't get out of. You know, human beings think, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sad and they can't move from that spot. Or um, I've got asthma or I'm, I'm, I've got diabetes. And it's like, no, these, these things, all of these things, the minute you fix them with your language, you temporarily paralyze yourself. Everything moves. Everything even, you know, like you're looking at me and I'm sitting on a chair and we think that everything is form and it isn't. It's, it's vibrating atoms that are more space than they are form. Yet to the human eye, I look as though I'm form. Still the fat form that Paul McKenna didn't make skinny. But do, do you know what I mean? It's kind of like there's this form in front of us. Everything's in perpetual motion. Everything. Why would thought be any different? Why would a feeling be any different? It's not. <laughs> any other questions around the block?
Chucky, if no one's going to take this, one last question on the work you're doing on Shamely Human Podcast and some of the work you're putting out there. Can you maybe give everyone a quick glimpse of that and also where they can find out more about you? Sure. Um, I have a podcast that comes out every week. It's called Unashamedly Human Podcast. I interview people and I often just ramble by myself. I share stories about my clients. I share stories about my own human experience. There's a, a hysterical episode, episode 44, when my husband had a nosebleed. It's so funny. I, I think I cracked myself up laughing the whole way through it. Um, it's a lovely podcast. The, the aim of the podcast is to help people get out of their heads and into their lives, into their hearts, to not be afraid of their human experience, to, to marry up their psychological and their spiritual essence and just get out there and have fun whilst teaching this understanding and other spiritual teachings too. I'm not, you know, I don't, I, I love all this kind of stuff. Um, I also have a Facebook page, the Unashamedly Human Facebook page. And on that page, there's just every day I put on something for people to think about, just like a morning thought. And it's really, really sweet. I'm about to open a Facebook group called the Unashamedly Human Facebook group. And in that, I'll go live every week, answer questions, invite people to talk with me. And I'll go a wee bit deeper into the understanding. And it's all free of charge. Um, I have several online courses one of them, um, the Missing Link Book Club, will be coming out soon. Um, and I can sort of share the link with you guys and you can stick it on your page if anybody's interested. Um, also, I've been given um, a blessing by Elsie and I'm opening up Three Principles School in Scotland um, to teach the principles in the same way that Sid taught the principles. So that's happening in um, the end of April this year. So to keep that legacy going forward because I keep seeing in this community that people are, are moving further and further away from essence and the simplicity. And I, I just like to keep that, that, that beautiful message, that simple ordinary message alive, doing it my way. So I'll do that here in Scotland. Um, and there's other little courses coming out throughout the year, but I don't want to bore you with them. If you, you know, you can sign up to my newsletter. I forget to write all the time to people, but occasionally I do write. Uh, and you can find out about everything. Um, I don't hard sell anybody. If you want to join me and have some fun, great. If you don't, that's okay too. <laughs> that's fantastic. Jackie, just in closing, thank you. Thank you so much. We really enjoyed having you. And um, we'll be looking forward to getting you back here sometime soon. It was really I'd fun. Love, I'd love that. I'd love that. Well, this understand life is fun. And this understanding makes it more fun. You know, and, and so many people are so serious when they're teaching this. And I'm just like, oh, can't, no, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. You know, <laughs> That's it. Have fun. Have fun. Live life. Be naughty. Be naughty. Be naughty. Do stuff. Will do. Well, okay. check again. Thank you very much. And everyone else, thanks for attending. And have a swell of an evening. Thank you. Okay. See you later. Thanks, Jackie. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye, darlings. Bye. Bye. Bye.